this is Matt from Work in Fintech. I'm the founder of Work in Fintech. I'm also CEO of a fintech firm called iPushPool and a co-founder of a firm called New Squawk. And what we're going to do is teach you about all things fintech. So I'm joined today by one of our founding members, Ben Ford, who is a master's student at CAS. And he's going to be interviewing our guest today, who's Andrew Davis, who is a partner at law firm Goodwin Proctor. Hi, Andrew. Good to have you here today. Can we kind of kick off looking at, you're obviously a partner at a law firm. How would that apply to fintech for people looking to get into this area? So there's probably a few things we can explore here. One is around kind of what is fintech, but then you're actually in a very unique position, which I think a lot of people probably wouldn't really appreciate. Maybe even people in the, in the industry don't appreciate. It'd be good if you could just talk through that, because I think our listeners would find that really interesting. Sure. Thanks a lot, Matt. Ben, thanks very much for having me. So first of all, what do I do? My work is exclusively in, in the world of tech. And obviously, fintech is uh, in, uh, certainly in the UK and, and possibly beyond, you know, the largest single vertical within tech. And so what does that actually mean? So I support companies throughout their life cycle. So we will start working with companies in their early days. We'll help them raise financing. They get larger and grow. We'll help them scale. We'll help them. We'll take them international. And ultimately, we'll help them IPO or exit, or we'll take them wherever they want to go. We act for companies. We act for venture and other and other investors um, supporting these supporting tech companies of all shapes and sizes, but but in particular fintech, um, which is the focus of this conversation today. Just to your point, Matt. You know, we we probably we do in excess of 200, just to give you a feel, just in my team, just in London, we do in excess of 200 funding rounds a year. Um, so that's a lot of companies we see. And obviously, those aren't all fintech, but a lot of them are. And in the U and in the and in the US, our platform there will see multiples of that. So we see an awful lot of companies. We see an, uh, um, both from the company side, both and investor side. We see a lot of IPOs. We see a lot of um, a, a lot of um, acquisition exits as well. So we actually have a, a, I think, a fairly unique overview of the sector throughout the life cycles of these companies. Because as I say, we start with these companies in the early days. We like to partner with them in the early days, get to know them really well, and then scale with them as as big as they want to go. Um, so, so hopefully that sort of sets the scene in terms of sort of what I do and and sort of my perspective on the on, on the sector. You touched as well, I think, on on sort of what is fintech, and fintech is um, is incredibly broad, frankly. I mean, it's incredibly broad, and it can mean so many different things. You know, when you first hear fintech, you look at the, all you know the digital banks, etc. But I mean, it's way broader than that. It can touch anything from payments to cybersecurity to to everything in between, it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a regulated business at all. And, and I think the other thing about fintech is it's not not see fintech just in isolation. I mean, there are so many companies that that intersect with other verticals. So reg tech, regulation technology, insure tech. A lot of those companies have a strong technology component. Retail tech, e-commerce has a strong fintech crossover very very commonly. You, you mentioned crypto as well. So I mean, it is incredibly broad. I think it's important not to be you know, not to put sort of fintech companies in a single bucket, um, because it because it can it can mean so many different things to so many different to so many different companies and so many different people. It's great to hear with you being partner one of the leading tech law firms in the world. You're in a unique position where you represent companies, anything as you said, from startups to companies listed on the market. What kind of trends are you seeing right now, following the the crazy 2020 that we just had? It, it's a fascinating time at the moment for for tech in general, but in particular fintech. 
And I think what we're seeing and what we'll continue to see, I suspect, is a is a real acceleration in the take up of fintech of all shapes and sizes. You know, for certain parts of fintech, I think last year, some of the large banks were sort of working out what the future was going to look like. But I think throughout, you know, through the situation we're at at the moment, just fintech is, has just never been more front and center. And I think that will only continue. And so, you know, what are we seeing in fintech? Well, we're seeing as a cross technology, we're seeing a huge amount of, of money pouring into the space. And, you know, we saw we check out just the other day with a huge funding round and there's, there's a huge amount of capital being poured into fintech. And we're seeing increased investment from the US, um, for example. So I see lots of growth, lots of opportunity. And, you know, when you're in a situation like we're in at the moment, it's going to drive innovation. You know, when you're seeing that mass adoption, when you're seeing when you're seeing some of the challenges that it's throwing up, it's going to drive innovation. And I think you're going to continue to see that both the growing of existing companies but also new companies coming in. Particular sort of areas where we're seeing you know, any, any specific trends, you know, I think those, that growth is happening across the space. Some areas like like security is going to is you know we've just seen the amount of cybercrime since 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 the pandemic has gone through the roof. I mean, some of the numbers are, have just been quite extraordinary. Cybersecurity has never been more important. You mentioned crypto already. You know, I, I think it was a little bit unclear where crypto is going to go, but I think it's going to be going to be a strong area. I think the increased use of blockchain. Digital banks, um, I think, are going to have a strong time. They're not all going to be winners, clearly, but every bank is a digital bank now. And in that world, the um, the incumbents are frankly always going to, to struggle against some of the some of the newer entrants. Financial inclusion, you know, you've got 1.7 billion or more people in the world who don't have access to banks. You know, there's there's a huge sort of opportunity there, especially in this in this environment for financial inclusion, finding a home for those for those individuals. So just sort of giving you a few ideas of some of the areas, but hopefully within that, it just sort of shows quite how how broad you know the space is and quite how broad the, the the opportunities are as i as i see it something i kind of find interesting is that obviously as you say there's there's a great time for investment do you believe that firms will will have a segmented market in five years time there'll be specialists in fintech in regtech or do you believe that there might be companies in the future that specialize in the multiple sectors I think there'll be a mixture. You know, I think you, you already have, as you'll know, sort of investors, VCs in particular, who are, you know, or for example, who are um, focused just on fintech. And you have a, a number of other investors who will invest in fintech alongside other, other verticals. And I, I see that as a positive dynamic. And I, I suspect that that will continue. I, I think you will have and actually, we've seen just in the last few days, we've seen one or two new new fintech focused VCs appearing, and, think, and I think you'll continue to see that. But I think it's I think you'll continue to see them play alongside you know investors who will have who have a, a broader investment remit. And of course, the banks you know, have been very very important investors in in fintech clearly. And you know I think that's calmed a little bit since the pandemic, but I'm sure that'll come back. They've been very important um, investors investors in 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 in, um, in fintech. You, you obviously spend a lot of time around different fintech verticals and different types of tech companies. Do you have any particular sort of company, any sort of particular fintech company that are catching your eye or a particular sector that's catching your eye at the moment? I mentioned a few sectors, I think, that I think are a few verticals within fintech that I think are going to be strong. I always hesitate slightly before picking specific sort of winners. But look, I think that there are clearly going to be some some, some losers along the way. But I think, you know, I think the, I think the opportunity across a fintech and you know, some of the examples I gave earlier, um, sort of red tech, cybersecurity, block, and sort of blockchain generally, 
digital banks and you know regulation technology everything around that sort of money laundering helping the banks um, sort of get, navigate this new uh, navigate regulations perhaps not the sort of the sexiest area but is is, is critical um, will um, will will continue to thrive. I think something kind of interesting, given the the current climate and the the current deals we're seeing companies do, is how do you believe crypto might interact with companies in different sectors in the form of method of payment, for example? Look, I mean, clearly the um, you know the, the the move that Tesla made a day or two ago was um, was pretty significant. That said, you know that that move is very much, I suspect, driven driven by one company and possibly even you know one individual within within that company and. Uh, and, and frankly, and, and was quite an extreme sort of move. I, I, I don't know. Do not know the answer to that question. Um, I wish I did. But I don't see mass adoption in that in that sense anytime very soon. But um, you know, there, there, there clearly is a, a home for for toe, and and I don't see that going anywhere. The big unknown is how mass will it get. And I, if I if I knew that, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here um, having, <laughs> having this having this. Uh, doing uh, do what I do. So, look, it'll be an interesting time. That's all. That's part of the, That's one of the things that makes the sector so interesting. By the way, is we don't know all the answers. We don't know. We don't know all the winners. We don't know what what trends are going to end up really sort of winning. You know, you, you just look back. You know, the last sort of five years and just see how the world of fintech has just completely turned on its head. And looking forward another five years, you know, just the possibilities are just are, are endless in terms of where it may take us. So, one thing I have learned is. Predictions are, uh, are dangerous in, in in fintech, but as I say, that's what makes it. That's one of the things that makes it makes it such an exciting place to be. Obviously, being situated in the UK, you're you're going to see many more deals concentrating on UK and Europe companies. Do you see a difference in the way companies in the UK and Europe are valued, specifically in tech, in comparison to the US? It's a very interesting point. So we, so I see, so yeah, I see a lot of a lot of companies in basically UK and Europe raising money, and certainly historically, it's often been said, you know, that, that in the US, you know, the valuations are higher and more money being pumped into these companies. You know, I, I think that's probably still true to an extent, but I think I think what we are seeing is is a lot of the US investors especially west coast investors but, but but across the board really looking outside their their home market a couple of things are driving that firstly there are just some incredible tech companies coming out of the uk and europe now and have been for a while but i think they are these companies are really sort of hitting a scale a really impressive scale and and also you know these investors are looking for for value a lot of investors are seeing good are seeing better value deals or at least good value deals coming out of, of uk and europe do you see um, London kind of maintaining its stronghold? Because in, I suppose, FinTech 1.0, when it was some of the open banking and, and, and that side of things, London was a leader in that. And then probably kind of China and Asia and, and that area. And the US was somewhat of a laggard in FinTech. Now they're kind of catching up and there's kind of talk that they might they may overtake what we have here in London. Do you kind of feel the same way or do you think London has a lot of advantages here compared to anywhere else in the world? I think we have a unique ecosystem here in London and and, and I think we will continue to produce some of the world's greatest fintech companies for the foreseeable future. I, don't, I do not see that playing. Is that changing? We have a unique mixture in London of financial institutions and and a very entrepreneurial tech ecosystem. We've got an incredible 
track record of producing fintech companies, are great fintech companies, and I, and I, I really don't see that changing. Uh, and you know, I, I think the point I was making before around around the U.S. money coming into UK and Europe, I think, is is very important and is starting to narrow that gap into for that sort of that value, the gap of sort of valuations and capital flow differentials between Europe and the U.S. And I think all of these things, all of these trends, are pointing towards fintech companies in the UK and Europe growing at a greater scale than ever before. The capital, the entrepreneurialism, the rapid, rapid shift to digitization that we're seeing at the moment, I think is seeing, it has already seen and is going to continue to fuel huge growth opportunities, okay, Europe and, and, and globally. Something we've touched on is how technology has changed a lot of people's work from regulation to insurance to finance. But what we haven't talked about is how it's changed your job. How has technology changed the way that you work? Well, I'm nowhere more so than than the last 12 months, frankly. So look, everything we do is is one way or other. Use technology, and there are but there are a lot of platforms that we use. You know, helping get helping to get documents signed and helping to helping to make our our internal processes as efficient as possible. That will continue to evolve, and 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 that is a good thing. You know, anything that can take the simpler jobs, the more straightforward jobs, out of the hands of lawyers and and digitize them is is a good thing because it it's value for money for companies, and fr- and frankly, it leaves the interesting work for the lawyers. And I don't see, you know, I don't see the role of lawyers. There will always be a role a role for lawyers over and above technology. But I think I see technology as being a very important partner to law firms, and that will continue to evolve. You know, clearly the last 12 months has been extraordinary, you know, putting deals together and, and building relationships and, it's, and negotiating when everyone's, you know, working remotely has created some really unique challenges. But great deals have continued to be done and, and great companies are continuing to be built. I think that one of the big challenges that I think a lot of tech companies are seeing in this environment, especially companies that are in their relatively early days, is building a really good culture. And keeping that communication really, really strong. And I think that that is undoubtedly some challenges. And certainly, you know, Zoom and other technologies are, are helpful there. But I think there's, um, you know, I think there's there are definitely some significant challenges that have been thrown up for tech companies by the current environment. Following that, that I really want to find out is, given the rapid development you've had in the last 12 months of technology, do you think it will leave a lasting effect on law as a profession? Oh, I think it'll leave a lasting, a lasting effect on 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 every profession, and law, law absolutely. Like I, I don't know what the future holds in terms of uh, you know, any, any more than anyone else, but I, I would be fairly confident the world of working from home is now so normalised, and and there are some positive aspects of that. So people have proven, you know, very emphatically that work can be done very effectively remotely. That that will continue to persist. Now, I, th- I believe very firmly, certainly in my in my in my profession, that there will always be a very very important role of 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 office and bringing people together and building culture and collaborating and all those great things that happen when you are there in person and are just somehow that much more difficult to do when we are remote. Frankly, it's just frankly more enjoyable when you are together and you are together as a team and that's not not just law that I feel that's a lot of other other areas as well so so I will I would always see a few a future of uh, the officers in my view will always have a very important role to play but I think so working remotely I think there will be a, a balance going forward which actually will probably be a probably in many ways be quite a healthy balance you took quite a traditional route into law what attracted you to, to corporate transactions in tech? 
did you graduate and think this is exactly what I want to do or is it something you adopted over your career? I did not. I, I no. I certainly didn't. I mean, you know, God, I'm afraid when I, the day when I graduated, graduated was rather a long time ago now, and and the world of tech really didn't exist. I mean, it was not. It just didn't exist as a as a as a career path, really. If it did, it was certainly not a not a mainstream one. And and to be honest with you, you know, it took me a while. It took me some time to to, to get in to get into tech. I started out as a very as you say, very sort of mainstream legal career at a Magic Circle law firm. Um, what, what I what I realised, look, I, I I love what I do, but the most enjoyable aspect of my business of my of my work, especially as I've got more senior, is the is the companies and the people that I work with. And for me, tech is as interesting as it gets, and the people are generally people who work in tech are generally great and and exciting and and, and good to work with. And for me, that that as I say, that is the single thing that thing that makes my job most most interesting is working with interesting companies and interesting people doing great things, and frankly, in some cases, changing the world. And that's pretty cool. And and, and I feel very privileged to be working in this in this area. I've been doing this working tech so pretty much exclusively for the last decade or so. Um, and the and it's just come on. You know, you, it's just the, the, the when you just look back and you just see the scale of the growth and the scale, the scale of the companies that are being formed and the scale of investing center is completely center stage now and and now, and now more than more than ever before and i think there's a i think there's an interesting fascinating fascinating time to come just for our listeners andrew can you explain what the magic circle is because i think maybe people who are not in the legal profession wouldn't know it's a very, very sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for, for you. I try not to use jargon, so apologies for letting that slip. So there are five um, sort of UK headquartered law firms who are five of the largest law firms in the world, but certainly the five of the largest or five of the largest ones in the UK and, and Europe. And they, for, for whatever reason, are known as the Magic Circle. So I, I started my career in, in one of those and since since moved, moved into, into tech at a firm that, that is at the top of the game in, in tech. Given that you didn't have aspirations to go into tech as a, as a lawyer, you didn't really know about it, as you said. What advice would you give to students that might want to get into tech as a as a law professional? I would say choose your law firm carefully. I know every law firm is trying to do some tech. Not that law, not that many law firms. In fact, I would say very few law firms do it really, really well and really get it and really understand what it is that, to be a lawyer in tech. And it needs to really be in the blood of, of the firm for your, for your journey. In Goodwin, for example, we are we are divided completely in sector lines. You know, we, we're one tech team in Europe, in the US, in Asia. We are just tech across all the different different the, the different disciplines that you'd need. And, and 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 you know this and the mentality of going at the of approaching the sector, you know, stage agnostic, starting early, building deep roots, growing with these clients. Invest in actually working with investors and acquirers in tech, just really having your arms around that ecosystem. I think it's just so so important. But I think you know not not every firm has that. In fact, I'd say there are pretty few firms that do. So I think I think choosing the right firm is important. And I think also choosing a firm with the right geographic spread is important. You know the the US is critical, for example. So I think making sure that you are you know that, that the firm has has the right geographic footprint that sort of match, matches the the, the work that you. That you'd like to do but i think just be, be open-minded as well tech and fintech cover so many different areas you know there, there are so many different opportunities and ways and ways to get involved in in it as a sector so just sort of get out there meet people and just sort of throw yourself into it it's interesting to hear that goodwin proctor 
splits itself up into specific sectors. Are you starting to see trend in law graduates in, in your tech division? People coming to coming to our firm are interested in, in tech. It's just such an important part of what we do. And look, tech is just, as I say, it's tech is kind of mainstream now in a, in a sense that it just wasn't, you know, when I, when I was coming through from university. You know, the, the world of tech, where, whatever you're doing, whether it's law or, or you know, there's so many different ways to get into tech one way or other. But it is it is it is really front and center in so many ways that te- tech is just so front and center in terms of in terms of opportunities that are out there. It, that's so, so different <laughs> to when I was coming through that, that, you know, it's not surprising, you know, that tech is a, an area of real interest for graduates coming through. And great. I think I think it's a fascinating area to be. I would just say, know what you want and be open about that this is what you want to do just throw yourself at it and if and if and you know if the perfect you know opportunity doesn't present itself out of the blocks find other ways in there, there are so so many ways into into working in tech whether whether it be in law or anything else given that law is such a competitive field to start out in what are three things you love to see on a graduate application be it their cv their cover letter or the first interaction you have with them in an interview oh that's a great question uh, and I, I'm not sure I could point at, at one thing. I, I really don't, because every every applicant is different, and and there is not one skill set that that I or my colleagues are looking for. I think it's a very, I think it's really important to say that we take a very open-minded view. You know, we want people who are going to be yes, very strong with the law. That's critical, but are also going to be people who our clients are going to want to spend time with. Ultimately, our clients are, are instructing people. You know, we're not robots. We're people. Clients want to instruct people and people with good judgment and good legal abilities. And and frankly, you know, when when you're in the middle of a um, of a difficult negotiation, the sense of humour goes a long way. And uh, so I think, look, there's not one thing we're looking for. But when you meet the right person, then um, you know, you, it's often quite clear that that person is the right person. So I think just just to wrap up, Andrew, if you were to to meet your younger, eighteen year old self. Have you got one piece of wisdom you would give to yourself? Work in an industry that interests you. That might be tech. It doesn't necessarily need to be tech. It's not going to be for everyone. But working in, work in an industry that interests you. Because ultimately, whether you're doing law or anything else, I think working, working in an industry that, in, the industry that interests you with interesting people in it, that is what's going to change your working life for the better more than, I think, pretty much anything else. Great. Thank you, Andrew. So to wrap up, that's uh, Ben Ford interviewing partner and legal tech lawyer, Andrew Davis from Goodwin Proctor. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed for having me. Thank you.